0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are super excited to be streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. And we have Dr. Shardine on our podcast today, and she just opened a direct a care practice specializing in women's health. And I'm super excited to connect with her and listen to more about her podcast. And she can educate us and empower us on how to take charge of our health. So without further ado, Shar, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for so much for having me here.
0: Yeah. So let's go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your, your, your story. We were talking about how you got into healthcare and how you... Mm-hmm. Um. eventually progressed into a, being a nurse practitioner. So tell us your story.
1: Sure. So I started off as a medical assistant way back in 2004 and um, really enjoyed doing what I did there as a medical assistant. I did that for maybe about approximately three years. And during that time frame, I went back to school to gain my licensed practical nursing uh, degree and certificate. And um, during that time, also I I stuck with clinical practice, so I was in what family practice, hematology, oncology, bariatrics. So I did it all during that time. Um, then I learned a little bit more about midwifery, and I, I wanted at the time before I learned about midwifery. Um, wanted to become an OBGYN because I just absolutely loved medicine and I wanted to help women and deliver babies. And I was all gung-ho mm-hmm. about it. So then I learned about this midwifery. So I said, well, okay, um, I could still become a nurse and stay a nurse and you know not have to worry about all the doctor things. Um, so then I um, went back to school, of course, and I uh, did my registered nursing degree, and so I took the LPN and the BSN route at um, uh, OU, which is the University of Oklahoma here. Did that for nine months. It took me nine months to get that, that particular degree. Worked for a year as a med-surg nurse um, just so that I can gain the experience that I needed, and then went to labor and delivery and thought, yeah, I get to be a labor nurse, and I'm going to deliver all these babies and do all these things. So. Um, but that didn't happen <laughs> i actually decided uh to stick with postpartum care because i love the education piece of it um i am one that i am uh, a self-starter so i go and i read books and i, I educate myself so i love to like educate people of those same things so um so i decided not to labor train at all and really turned my my direction towards postpartum care and learning or, excuse me, teaching patients how to care for themselves as well as their, their babies and empower them to be a self-advocate whenever it came to not knowing what to do next. And um, so that, of course, turned into me going into school um, instead of doing the midwifery route, I decided to do women's health. So I did my master's degree um, and my doctoral degree, so doctor in uh, nursing practice, um, at Frontier Nursing University in Kentucky. So here I am. <laughs> here you are.
0: I <laughs> and all of tell that. us a little. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your practice, holistic well women's DPC. Mm-hmm. We're for, we're okay. very familiar with DPC, but tell us about how, what makes you unique.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, what makes me very unique is that. I am a direct primary care practice for women's health. So when you hear direct primary care, you think family physician or family practice, but I actually um, am a gynecological background. So my goal with this entire practice is to help the woman be empowered for her care. So I wanna be a partner in her care versus a dictator. And so what i found in the five years of practice that I've already done within the traditional healthcare um, facilities, such as the hospital-based facility I worked in, as well as the the, uh, federal qualified facility, is that I could not really hear my patient and give them the care that they actually needed and that they desired. Um, Instead, it was just get them in, get them out and symptom treat, and I didn't wanna do that anymore. So I stepped away from that and created my entire practice based on just letting women know that they are empowered and that I hear them and they are welcomed here one hour versus having to sit in the lobby for an hour or the room for an hour. You have me personally for an hour. You have direct access to me even after hours through a messaging app called Spruce and it's it's HIPAA compliant. So if they need me, I'm there. So it it changes a lot of the way I practice and the way that my patients are being treated. They actually feel like a person instead of a number.
0: I love it. So Janet, what kind of questions do you have for her?
2: Oh, I love what I'm hearing because I feel like sometimes um, clients have a lot of questions that aren't being answered in the traditional system. So if you could just walk us through a story of somebody that you've impacted and how it's changed their trajectory of how they've been able to be
1: empowered and
2: take charge of their own health.
1: Sure. Um, so one of my first of many patients came to me through a, a Facebook group that I'm in. Um, it's a group for Oklahoma women. And um, someone had stated, you know, hey, I'm tired of being in regular practices. I'm looking for another provider who can manage hormones and actually listen to me and listen to my symptoms and take care of me, et cetera. So I chimed in and said, hey, I do that. And, you know, here's my link. And I would love to talk to you. If you have questions, we can do a a one-on-one meet and greet for free, 30 minutes. You have my time. Um, So... Of course, she didn't say anything, but somebody else did. And uh, so she responded. She said, hey, I'm interested. How can I make that uh, 30-minute consult with you? So I said, just follow the link. So she did that. And um, so she came, and she was very frustrated um, about the care that she received. She had um, hypothyroidism. She's postmenopausal. You name it, she had it going on. And she just felt like no one really listened to her. Um, she had plenty, plenty of meds on her list. Like she's taking lots of supplements. And one of her main things that she said to me that was a trigger for me to know that I, this is what I needed to focus on was no one's looking at my medicine. No one's looking at my supplements to see if they're conflicting with each other. So I I figured that was her main concern outside of all of the other things that were going on. So I took it upon myself to take her list of meds, put it through a database, look at all the interactions. Lo and behold, she had a lot of things that were conflicting with each other as well as um, not really allowing her to absorb the thyroid medication that she was taking as well as some other medicines that she's taking. And so, Uh, Of course, we did lab work, which as a DPC provider, super discounted. She was very surprised at how discounted it was. Um, I mean, we looked at everything. We looked at all of her hormones, her thyroid, everything, and it cost her no more than $40. Um, And she was just like mind blown from that because she said her doctor did the exact same labs and she received a $200 bill from her insurance just to do the same labs that I did for $40. So, um, so once we got our labs and looked at all her meds and all, all of those things, um, we got her all kind of situated, took her off some things, added some things, and we've done a four to six week follow-up within this last couple of weeks and her labs look great. She's starting to feel a little bit better and she's actually absorbing her thyroid medicine now. So it looks like it's starting to work now. So um, but yeah, I mean that's just how it is. It's I, it's very individualized here. And I try to listen to my patients and just make sure that they are taken care of as a whole person.
0: Well, we love to hear stories like that. And um I think that you're doing the right thing with going to a direct primary care. Practice model um, because, in the just like the patient you just the story you just shared, um, she was in the traditional model. The um, healthcare professionals she was seeing, you know, are dictated how much time they can spend with the patient based on how much the insurance is going to reimburse them. So, your care is not always the best. Um, that's why we really believe in promoting um, you know, patients paying for um, instead of in a third party paying, but a patient paying for their health care because it gives them the ability to get better care, and if they don't get better care, they can tell you right away, and you'll have to fix it. Whereas in a third right. party system, when insurance companies paying the bill, that's not the way it works. Do you have any comments mm-hmm. about that, Char?
1: Yeah, um, so that's that's one of the main primary reasons why I decided to do what I do, because I began to be a part of that systematic loophole of, like I said, get them in and get them out. And I felt like I was spending more time documenting, checking off the boxes for quality measurements, spending more time in meetings so that we can make sure that we're documenting correctly versus actually taking care of my patients. So I totally agree with you on the, it's better to pay for your care versus um, using the insurance to do so.
2: Well, one of the underlying themes that I'm hearing from you today, and and Sean and I have talked about this before, is patients don't feel like they're being heard. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, if you're not listening to them, how do you know what the chief problems are? How do you know what they need to address in their life? it's checking off the box in the other scenario, it's not listening. And you know, that's something as humans we really need to be able to do is to hear what the problems are in order to actually address them. So that's wonderful. And I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of women have felt discarded by the system, you mm-hmm. know, because a lot of times when I'm talking to them on the phone, they feel rejected. Is that the sense that you are, are gathering from these ladies?
1: Oh yes, yes, definitely, every day, all day. Um, that is That was once the theme of my practice, every day. I had at least 10 of my 30 patients that I was seeing in a day tell me, well, I've seen five providers already. What are you gonna do anything, what are you gonna do different? How are you gonna manage my care any differently? And I just stopped them right there and I said, well, just tell me your story. Let me know what's going on. Because ultimately, when you're listening to someone's story, especially a patient's story and and what they've been through, a lot of times they actually have told you the answer within their story. They just don't know that they already have the answer. So you have to provide that reassurance and then also guide them to to know what they need to do for themselves. They just wanna feel like they, they care, they matter. You know, they they wanna feel like they are a person and they wanna know that someone actually genuinely cares about them. And so, yes, I feel like that is the theme of healthcare nowadays is not just women feel rejected, but men feel rejected too. Oh, true. Yeah, true. so I just think as a, as a human race, we all kind of feel somewhat of rejection just because everything is just go, 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 go no one just stops and takes the time to listen Mm -hmm.
0: so tell us what are some things that you routinely do for women and what are some things that you like to do that you like to do more of
1: so routinely um i see a lot of patients for their hormones and um also menstrual problems and then um birth control, of course, contraception. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that I absolutely love to do, <laughs> believe it or not, is to insert and I love doing that. Um, that gives me my surgery feel. Um, yeah. But the other th- part of that is that I absolutely love helping women feel better, um, especially when it comes to their, their hormone management. They They come in here tired. They come in here with hot flashes. Irritability, low concentration, low mood, low libido, and I absolutely love the reward at the end of it all when we've when we've gone through all this journey together and they feel healthy and they feel better, they feel vibrant again, and they feel like they can manage the day, they can manage their their family, they can manage their self care, and that is what's most fun about it. <laughs>
2: That's really neat because you know I think if we were talking about the business side of things, women really are the the spender of our healthcare dollars. Mm-hmm. So for them to be in the power of being able to direct it in a way that their outcome is in, improved, and also like you touched on, it's not just the woman that you're helping. If she's feeling better and she's going home, it's her family that's going to. Um, benefit from this, and her friends, and and people around her, because if we're all feeling better, then uh, you know our day to day life, people around it, it, it's it it keeps yeah. transcending to you know you, we share it, we touch it, we move yes. it on to somebody else, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's very powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and very like you said, rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that women's health you know balancing hormones is is rewarding and it's mostly what we do at our pharmacy is is balance hormones and it is rewarding and mm-hmm. and when you think about some of the things and I, and I know when you know when we've done it enough times it, some of these things might sound simple but you know it is fixing hot flashes for postmenopausal women is pretty simple actually
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. um but how many women have went to multiple providers and or and they've been dealing with this for years. Yes. And and there's no reason for it, in my opinion.
1: No, you're absolutely right about that. I I've seen it so many times, and I'm just like, we have all these different modalities that we could use to help manage this patient. We just gotta make sure that it's all safe, of course, first and foremost, and make sure that they can have these things. But you know, it's not a, a one size fit all, you know, and that's why we have all the different types of things that we could use as providers to help patients feel better, so.
0: Absolutely. So, it looks like we have a comment. Can we stream that comment, Yahada? Let's see. I have a lot. Let's see. It says... Um, Is this a family member of yours? Can you read that, Char? (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of unanswered questions about my thyroid issues, such as grave disease. Do you want to... Thank you for the question. Um, You want to answer that question, um, Char?
1: So it depends on what issue she's speaking of first. So we have to start there first and figure out what questions she directly has. Can she at an actual question
0: on there. Yeah, well it says yeah, yeah that's true. She says such as graves disease. <laughs> Let's talk about Graves disease just, just briefly.
1: Mm-hmm. So with Graves' disease, um, you know that's it's a very tricky one because many providers they start off with just a thyroid stimulating hormone, which a thyroid stimulating hormone is the uh, hormone that is transferred from the pituitary gland. And it tells the thyroid gland to go ahead and excrete the actual hormones, T3 and T4. There's other things that play a part in that, but that's just the basic. Um, So once you get that TSH, that's where providers like, like to stop. They don't see it elevated or too low, they don't do anything else. But it's very important to look at that TSH, and then that free T3, free T4, and et cetera. And then you also have to look at the antibodies. So that's where that Graves' disease come into play as well. So it's important, you know, as a as a patient, when you're going to your provider and you're trying to figure out, do I have Graves' disease, do I have Hashimoto's, do I have subclinical hypothyroidism, et cetera, um, that you you ask them, are you gonna do a complete panel? Are you gonna look at everything? Right. Don't just stop at that TSH. You have to be a self advocate and start asking these questions instead of just saying, okay, well, this is the answer. And do And do some research on your own too. There's plenty, there's plenty of things out there such as the NIH, um, which is the government type of um, um, website that's out there for patients to look at. Um, there's CDC, you can go on there. There's plenty of things. I don't really care for WebMD that much.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Dr.
1: Yeah. Google and all of that. But um, when it comes to those kind of things it's really important just to make sure that your physician or nurse practitioner or PA are actually doing the entire panel and looking at you as a, as a whole person entirely.
0: Right, order the right labs and know how to interpret them because mm-hmm. we treat patients we don't treat lab levels. so mm-hmm. it looks like she might have another specific question. Is this more specific? I have a lot of wasn't there a second um, oh, was there a, that's a oh, the second one? here we go
2: says i have a lot of questions about my thyroid such as graves disease and synthroid so i i feel like it's too broad <laughs> but mm-hmm. but the treatment would be much different correct i mean it depends on what their labs are as how you would approach your treatment exactly
1: correct? exactly so go ahead sir
0: well many times as as you know char is um synthroid which is levothyroxine Um, is not enough. Mm -hmm. Levothyroxine, which is T4, is the most popular drug ever prescribed in 2016. It was the number one drug in 2016. It's still by far and away the most popular thyroid drug prescribed. Mm -hmm. And for most patients, it might work okay. It probably does. But for the ones that fall through the cracks and their TSH looks normal, um, but... They still don't feel normal. Many times you check that complete thyroid panel you're talking about, mm-hmm. and you get a free T3, and their free T3 is low. Right. Well, leave with thyroxine or T4, which is the brand name Synthroid, has to convert into T3 in order to be more active. And if you're not doing that very well, your T3 levels won't be low, your, your T3 levels will be low, and you won't feel optimal.
1: Right, right. Mm hmm. So
0: I hope that answered your question, Mrs. Dean.
2: But, you know, I think Graves' disease depends on where, it really depends on where they are in in their treatment plan too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because if they're too high, they have to be treated properly if they're too low, you know? So there's a lot missing without having the physical and and the laboratory results for you to be able to say... This right. is it. Right, right. It right. has to
1: be painted for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you have to look at, at the patient's symptoms and what they're going yes. through at the right. time as well. I mean, everyone is in a different phase. There's different phases of Graves' disease. And so it, it doesn't just it's not just the laboratory itself that's going to mm-hmm. tell you how to manage this patient. It's also what right. they're telling
0: me that's going on, right? As well. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think now that we're on that subject, I think that's more important than labs. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it: we've been treating thyroid, um, low thyroid, before we had laboratory tests to, to treat it. Right. Um, you know, to monitor it. I mean, TSH came out in the nineteen seventies. The 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 specific TSH, but we've been treating thyroid for over a hundred years. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And. There's The thing about thyroid is so interesting is that there's the nature thyroid, there's the armor thyroid, there's levothyroxine, there's cytomel. There's there's just so many different things now that are available to use, and it really depends on how your specific patient is going to absorb all of that, because not one person fits synthroid levothyroxine. They don't. Sometimes you have to change them over to the Armour thyroid or the Nature Throid right. because their bodies respond to it better. So I think that's another part of it as well. Is that a lot of a lot of providers they just know synthroid and they're not they're not going to even right. bother looking at Nature Throid or Armour thyroid or any of the others that are out there to manage their patient. And here their their patient is still having the symptoms. Their labs are not coming out okay at all, but yet we wanna go up and down, up and down, up and down on levothyroxine and it's not doing anything.
0: Right, that's so. a good point. <laughs> they, they end up chasing labs with levothyroxine, but mm-hmm. either way they're not feeling good. So you gotta yeah. do something different.
1: Right, right. And that's where it all comes back into play. What is your patient saying? How are they, how are they feeling?
0: Exactly. So speaking of how you're feeling, you talked about um, women seek seek treatment for libido a lot. They have low libido. So mm-hmm. I know we've only got a few minutes left in this podcast. and I know that's a very broad question and it's hard to answer in a few minutes, but what's your go-to? What, what would you tell women that have low libido? What are some tests you need to do and what are some treatments possibly?
1: Yeah. So um, there is a hypo... Oh, goodness. It just left my mind, I'm so sorry. But it's basically in a nutshell, it's uh, female sexual dysfunction. Um, and there are medications that help with that. You really have to start with a list of questions. There, there's criteria that you have to meet in order to receive the medication. Um, but we start with those lists of questions. We look at a depression screen because depression can play a huge part of it. Um, so the one thing I always ask patients do you have a background of trauma? Have you been sexually abused? Have you been in, in any um, um, physically abusive things? Uh, what, how do you think about sex? What does sex mean to you? Is it something that was considered dirty as a child? And what what's your relationship now? So all of those things, they, they play a huge part in libido, especially for women because we're up here and yeah. so when we're up here and if this is working right, then the rest of us are are kind of following through. And so we do start with those things first in office, we have those deeper conversations. Um, and if there's some things that come up, we try to manage that with therapy. So I will give them a uh, referral to psychiatry and things of that sort to help with that part. Um, but then we go into the lab, so that's your estrogen, your testosterone levels, and we're not just talking about total testosterone, talking about the free um, the, uh, and total testosterone, and then also their DHEA, all the things that make a woman, pretty much, progesterone, FH, all of that, is-
0: yep.
1: FSH. Um, so we look at those things and we make sure that those are balanced first. And if those look balanced, then we start looking into what can we do for self-care? Because we start with self-care. We start feeling good and feeling relaxed and sexy, then it makes our libidos naturally go up as well. So I try not to push a lot of the medications on women. You know, I try to do more of a mental health aspect because it starts there first. And if we need to go into the medication, then we will. Yeah, I
2: I agree with that. And I think, you know, since Sean and I do work with a lot of hormones, I talk to a lot of women that are perimenopausal and menopausal. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just that change in their life that's happening, you know? So balancing those things just comes into play. If they can't sleep, Mm -hmm. if they're dry and, Mm -hmm. and it's painful. I mean, so listening to them again is the key thing I'm hearing from you, because how do you address that if you haven't been heard that, hey, you know, I was fine all the way up until this point, and I'm right here. I know I, nice. this is frightening to me. This hurts. I don't, you know. It's just, and you know what I've told some of my clients is that, you know, we as a society sometimes we've been told as as ladies that it is maybe a bad word, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's a form of communication between you and your partner, and Absolutely. if we ignore that, that is that is traumatic to both of them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've had, I think Sean and I've um, talked about this before. I had a local physician that just told the lady, here's some lidocaine, live with it. Yeah, that's not fair. Uh,
1: no. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's no. Uh, uh, horrible. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So as we wind this podcast up, Char, um, tell us what you have a passion for.
1: I have a passion for women to feel like a woman. Um, just to just to love life again. You know, when they come to me, they're just tired. They're tired of going through things and I want them to feel better, to feel whole, hence holistically well. So holistically well just means that I want you to feel like a whole person from the inside and out, from the mental, emotional state and physical state.
0: Awesome, I love it. So we're gonna stream your website and you can tell us a little bit about your website. to go ahead and stream her website. Is this one of the best ways to get in contact with you if you if people have any questions?
1: Yes, so if you scroll down, well actually it's at the very top there where it says call us today. Um, so that phone number comes directly to me on my personal cell phone um, through the app that we spoke about earlier. And um, I do answer it all throughout the hours of the day. So my uh, clinic hours are Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. To 4 p.m. and that is central standard time and then on Fridays I am open at 7 30 a.m. to noon um, so even if a patient were to call after those hours I do receive the, the message that states that I missed the call they called and left a voicemail or they did not and um, I typically respond via text message back to them saying hey I'm closed but I will call you tomorrow so they know that I, I did receive it.
0: I love it. Well, thank you, Shar, for being on our, our podcast today. Uh, we wish you the best, and you've helped us realize our goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So thank you for being on.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate you guys having me here. I appreciate that.
0: And thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Um, Thursday, I don't know who we have as a guest. Jan and I will actually be traveling to Moab. I have a three-stage mountain bike race. I'm not sure if we have a podcast um, scheduled, um, depending on our schedule. But we will we will check in with you. So thank you for listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.